The latest polls on a hypothetical rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump show Trump is gaining ground. Just in the past two weeks alone, he has closed the gap to just seven tenths of a percentage point, according to the Real Clear Politics average. And the latest poll from the outstandingly famously liberal Wall Street Journal has stunned the legacy media and their commentators because it shows that Biden and Trump are in a dead heat at 46% each. Listen, as the Republican landscape shapes up for 2024, I feel a warning must be issued. The infighting, the bullying, the lack of a cohesive vision for the future, all these things are very troubling. And we actually have a shot at this thing. We need to not lose our vision going forward. This is Heidi St. John. You have found me at the Off the Bench podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me on this Thursday. Thanks to everybody who came out for the awesome event that we had the other night, just celebrating what God is doing here at the Homeschool Resource Center and being able to show people in our community and people who'd flown in really from all around the country just exactly the amazing miracle that's taking place here in Vancouver, Washington, as we begin now to open the Resource Center. I... I'm going to jump into some pretty deep water today, so bear with me because I have uh, I'm observing some things inside of the Republican Party that I frankly do not like. And as we're watching what's happening with the GOP and watching what's happening in the polls, it's very clear now that uh, Joe Biden is failing. He's failing emotionally. He's failing mentally. We just saw him walk out of an awards ceremony yesterday. And uh, even his hardcore supporters, which I don't know how he even has a single hardcore supporter, but even his supposed hardcore supporters are starting to be like, yeah, maybe we need to find a new guy. Maybe this isn't our guy. Yeah, you right. This guy cannot string a coherent sentence together. His foreign policy is a disaster. His withdrawal from Afghanistan was an absolute abysmal failure. He's failing on the world stage. He's failing at home. He's failing at the southern borders. He's failing to keep the uh, the creep of fentanyl from coming into our cities and onto our street. Joe Biden is a disgrace. Joe Biden is a failure. But the thing we need to keep our eyes on is not Joe Biden, because as Republicans, we got bigger fish to fry. We've got to keep our eyes on our own party and talk about what's happening here inside the Republican Party. The Republican Party, to my way of thinking and from what I am observing right now is without a compelling charismatic leader and either we address it now or we're going to continue to lose going forward the fact that Donald Trump is being indicted over and over and over again shows you that he's a credible threat and that the uh, the Democrats are terrified of him as well they should be Donald Trump is a formidable political opponent and there's no question about it and by the way if you're not watching what's happening in the news uh, the uh, the the fact that we're still talking about January sixth and people are still being sentenced. A guy named Enrico Enrique Tario, who was part of the Proud Boys, was just sentenced. I believe it was yesterday to twenty two years behind bars. Uh, these January sixth people, they're getting more jail time than actual murderers are getting. And it shows you the political persecution uh, that this administration is absolutely hell bent on. They weren't kidding 
when they said that they believe that parents that show up to school board meetings to stand up for the constitutional right of their children not to be assaulted in the public schools by leftist ideology and by uh, sexual ideology, the Biden administration may have said, oh, wait, yeah, whoa, we didn't mean that. But they did mean it. They absolutely meant it. And you can see this in the way that they're uh, prosecuting and terrorizing anybody that dared show up on January 6th. Now, listen, I'm not here to defend what happened on January 6th, but I don't believe and I think the majority of Americans don't believe either that these people are guilty of sedition. And that is exactly what the government's case has been. They're sentencing them on uh, on grounds that no one ever even talks about anymore. It is so absolutely rare. But uh, the sentence that they just came down yesterday for Tario was the longest to date in the Department of Justice's handling of the January 6th event. Uh, Tario is the son of Cuban immigrants, by the way, and he was found guilty of something called seditious conspiracy by a judge in uh, D.C. whose name is Timothy Kelly. He was a former Proud Boy and now he's facing, oh, I was wrong, 33 years behind bars. This is what he said before he was sentenced. He said, I'm not a political zealot. Inflicting harm or changing results of the election was not my goal. Please show me mercy. I ask that you not take my 40s away from me. It's interesting to note that this guy was not in D.C. on the day of the Capitol breach. But the government argued that he was a leader and not a foot soldier, calling him, quote, intelligent, charming, creative and articulate and claiming that he used those talents to, quote, inflame and radicalize an untold number of followers. The seditious conspiracy law, by the way, was enacted after the Civil War to arrest Southerners who might keep fighting the U.S. government, according to the Associated Press. It's extremely rare in its application and hard to prove though it's been used by the DOJ about a dozen times in connection to the Capitol breach rather successfully. You guys, I've told you before, and I'm going to say it again. I have no respect, and I mean it, no respect for what the Biden administration is doing uh, to the January 6th, with those who participated in January 6th. I'm also not here to excuse some of the behavior that happened there. But as a general rule, you know, we have the right, not as a general rule, we have an absolute right to speak out against the government when we see the things are happening that are not in, uh, not going to support the American people. The job of an elected official is to protect our borders, it's to protect our freedom, to secure our freedom, and the Biden administration is hell-bent on absolutely not doing that. And what do we got going on here at home? We got Republicans fighting with each other. Now, usually Republicans fight, right? This is not unusual. This is not, you know, something that just started happening recently. We don't have a group think thing going on in the Republican Party like the Democrats do. The Democrats pick a candidate and they just walk in lockstep behind him. But the problem for the GOP heading into 2024 is not this sort of lockstep think tank mentality that the Democrat Party has always had. It's the partisanship, the tribalism that we have literally descended into. I mean, I just ran for Congress and I'm here to tell you guys, it's not pretty. This is not your your grandfather's Republican Party. And a lot of what I came up against, and you guys know me, I voted for Trump. I supported him in 2020. I, I voted for him in 2016, although I was not an initial supporter of President Trump. 
Uh, I've had the opportunity to speak with and uh, interact with Ben Carson on a number of occasions. And so he was the guy that I really was hoping would get the uh, the nomination early on. But as soon as it became evident that the guy was going to be Trump, dude, I was I was all in. And I frankly thought his policies were, for the most part, excellent. And in fact, uh, I lost uh, I lost a pretty big client of mine over my support of Trump in 2017. This person also claimed to be a Republican, but just could not stand Donald Trump. And so I have personally taken a hit for my support of Donald Trump. But I'm telling you what, there is a side to the Donald Trump supporters that is very troubling and we should be bothered by it. And I, I met with a, uh, a friend of mine the other day who is a reporter and he calls, you know, he said, listen, I'm a MAGA Republican. Make America great again. Absolutely lower taxes, secure the border, stop the flow of fentanyl into the country, fix our failing, broken, disgusting public school system. Let's start bringing accountability back into politics. Uh, term limits, hello, all kinds of really good things that could be represented by the so-called Make America Great Again movement. But he said there's another side to it, and he calls it dark MAGA, right? There's the MAGA people, which is, you know, 90, 90%. And then there's 10% of what he called dark MAGA, which I'd never heard before. But I'll tell you what, uh, I agreed with him. And these guys are problematic. They've decided that Trump is not a political figure. He's some sort of a god. And we've elevated him to this sort of godlike status. And I read an article yesterday in PJ Media, and I'm going to link back to it because I thought, man, this guy, this is exactly what uh, the reporter was saying to me the other day. And this guy, his name is Stephen Cruiser. He just wrote uh, an article that I think sh- should be read by every serious Republican, where he said that we have degenerated into bitterly partisan tribalism and i think he's right and this is what he said he he doesn't call them dark magas he calls them escalator magas and when he when he uh began to sort of read why he describes him that way i was like oh man i i totally get it he says these escalator magas have decided that trump is not a normal politician they've forgotten that politicians are our employees they're not our gurus they're not our heroes And America functions best when the electorate understands that. He said, and this is again, this is Stephen Cruiser speaking. He said, I have praised Trump's presidency for years, but that doesn't matter to the escalator crowd. One can't offer even the mildest criticism of Trump without the truth social hordes launching into collective diaper soiling. It's tedious. Even worse, if one dares say anything positive about Ron DeSantis, or even if you accidentally do it, It's like every banshee in the history of Celtic lore begins keening in unison. He said he wrote an article for the morning briefing last week that praised DeSantis's actions in the Florida in Florida after Hurricane Idelia. And now he has an email stalker who wants to make sure he knows every low T bad nickname he's ever come up with for the governor. You see these super hardcore win at all cost scorched earth escalator magas, their approach is to convince everyone that the GOP should abandon primary support for any candidate who isn't Trump. They've decided that the best way to do this is to be as unhinged as possible and alienate the very people that they want to win over. And this is exactly what's happening here in Washington state as the hardcore uh, MAGA conservatives, the hardcore 
Kent conservatives, as we're now seeing them, have literally hijacked the Republican Party here in Washington state and have decided that if you don't agree with their choice for the Republican primary, somehow you are a rhino. You guys have heard the term rhino, Republican in name only. And these people use it liberally and often against anyone who dares disagree with their ideology. This is not okay. And this is not how you win elections. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a of a uh, a primer in how you win elections. The first thing we need to do is return to citizen statesmanship, and we need it yesterday. We need it yesterday. The name calling, and I saw it again. And frankly, you know, Trump normalized it. And you guys, I'll be honest with you. Like the very first time I heard him, you know, poke fun at uh, whoever he was poking fun with in the Republican primaries, I thought it was funny. I was like, well, shoot, that guy's saying what everybody's thinking. The problem is a mature politician's job is not to say what everybody's thinking. The job of a mature politician is to do what's right for the country, to be serious about lawmaking, to be serious about uh, giving direction to constituents, to be serious about encouraging patriotism and encouraging a return to sanity. And instead, we're just diving deeper into insanity by name calling. It's why I told you I did not enjoy the uh, interview that Tucker Carlson did with former President Trump, in which both of them engaged in name calling. Both of them were talking about not serious things. Like, really? Our country is in serious trouble right now. And you guys want to talk about whether or not Epstein killed himself and President Trump wants to give you his nickname for Asa Hutchinson. I'm sick of this stuff. We got to stop this. And we got to stop it right now. Our country, our state, our cities are in disarray. We need a return to citizen statesmanship. Elections should not be about the airing of grievances. They should be about the direction and leadership of the next four years of the country. We hold elections. It stands Uh, to reason that we know that the country is headed in the wrong direction. All you got to do is look at our southern border. All you got to do is look at massive skyrocketing inflation and what's happening as we send billions of dollars over to Ukraine where all our own people are suffering. And the country is in disarray and we know what the grievances are. And so what we should be looking for is a leader, not a God. We want to look for a leader, not a guru a leader. We, we need a leader. And as the elections get a little bit closer, I'm discovering, and I, I saw this in my run for Congress, I'm very worried about what's happening here in Washington state. Washington state's a little bit of a bellwether for other states in the country. And so-called uh, conservatives I don't even know if they are conservatives. I mean, I think we're basically just, you know, it's the populist movement. And I understand populism. I understand why it's, you know, why it's a thing right now and why people are gravitating toward that. But we've got to remember, we stand, we, the Republican Party was the party that ended slavery. The Republican Party is the party of, of the a least amount of government. And what I'm seeing is that many people on the far, far, far right want just as much government as long as it gets them the desired result, except for now you got the tail wagging the dog. We should be standing for limited government. We should be standing for freedom. The idea of the founding fathers 
was that men and women would leave their families and their homes and their farms and they would go to Washington, D.C. and they would do the hard and serious work of governance and then they would return to their homes and their families and their farms. But what we have created, and even in the Republican Party, this is true, we have created a political class, a ruling class, an elite class who've decided that they know better than you and they will choose who the person is going to be who runs in your primary. Thank you very much. We don't care what you have to say. We are the elite Republican Party. We bear allegiance to one person and one person only. And if you have a different opinion inside of a Republican Party, we're going to call you names, going to call you a rhino, do everything we can to drive people away who otherwise might actually be in your corner. And if you make a case right now for anybody other than uh, than Donald Trump, you could you could make a rational case for DeSantis. Like I've told you guys before, I haven't picked who I'm going to vote for in the Republican primary yet. I want to listen to them. We should want to listen. We should want to hear their point of view. That's how we come to a rational decision. And the way to get party unity right now is not to alienate fellow conservatives. I'm going to say it again because a lot of you listening to this have fallen into that and you don't even realize you're doing it. Allow the voices to be heard. Here in Washington state, we have several people who are running for uh, the third congressional district. We've obviously got several people running for uh, the presidency in the United States. Now is the time to let them make their case. That is why primaries exist in the United States. And the moment we we decide that primaries are no longer important, and that a political ruling class, political elites, even if they're on the, the right side of the aisle, we are actually not doing ourselves any favors at all. Ron DeSantis was a conservative rock star during COVID. And for whatever reason, the, the rabid Trump crowd has completely forgotten that of all the governors in the United States, every single one of us wanted Ron DeSantis to be our governor. He was the one who stood up against the tyrannical mandates. He was the one who was standing up to the radical left and the insanity that's happening at Disney in his home state. And for some reason, all of that stuff now is null and void because he made the mistake of running against President Trump. This is not how the country is supposed to work. And I just want to remind us today loud and clear before we completely forget that if we don't figure this thing out and figure it out soon, Uh, We're going to have a heck of a hard time winning any elections in the very near future. And so I want to be sure that we set a stage, that we set a table where every voice is heard and where we respect those people who are brave and bold enough to stand up in front of a crowd and allow their opinions to be heard at the risk of being mocked and criticized and judged. And that's the game, right? When you run for office, that's what's going to happen. It takes courage to do that. When did we stop respecting the people who have the courage and the guts to run for office and instead we want to alienate them and, sh- and shove them to the side and decide a year and a half out of a 2024 election that no other voices are allowed to be heard? That's not the way our democracy has worked in the past. And if we get to that point, we will be in danger of losing the freedom that we have to listen to these voices that are important in our culture right now. I'm I'm uh, I'm going to be talking more about this in the days to come. And I've off, you know, I've, I've wondered for a little while, you know, Lord, why did you ask me to run? You know, what was that all about? What what's the uh, what's the future going forward? And 
I don't feel a sense of hopelessness. I mean, this is just part of my my DNA, part of my personality. I'm an optimist by nature. I can see things that are wrong, but then I can also say, all right, this isn't working. Let's go this direction. And we are launching firmly planted action to that end to train people again in the art of citizen statesmanship. What does it mean to to be trained to run for office? How can you communicate with constituents? The bullying in our political uh, discourse has got to stop. The way that you get unity in the party, and I want to say this to the Republican Party here in Washington State and around the country, when a new candidate gets onto the scene, you say, we've got a new person who wants to be considered for this job, because that's really what it is. It's a running for office is basically running for uh, a job. You're applying for a job. It's a one and a half year job application process. And it just so happens to be brutal. And when somebody is brave enough to put their opinions forward and loves this area enough or our country enough to serve the country in that capacity, then we should be honoring and helping them, not bullying them and belittling them. And so when someone who wants to join the race, the, the Republican Party has got one role in a, in, a, in a Republican primary, and this is what it is. Your job is to help get out the vote. That's the first part of your job. And the second part is to make sure that you offer a platform for conservative voices to be heard. If we want there to be a coalescing in the general election, then we've got to stop with this scorched earth policy. And then we, we, we scorched the earth and we're watching it happen in the Republican Party here in Washington State, particularly in the third congressional district, thanks to one candidate in particular who runs with the scorched earth uh, attitude, you scorch the earth and then you wonder why nothing's growing. Well, I'll tell you why nothing's growing because you just scorched the earth. We've got to stop this. Stop being afraid of letting other voices be heard. And I will tell you with absolute certainty, if we can run in a way that is honorable to the people who are saying, listen, I have an idea. I'm going to put my name in the hat. Let them be heard. Recognize them as Republicans. Give them the honor that's due of someone who has the courage and the tenacity to run for office. And then as we're treating each other with this, yes, we're all Republicans. We can have different ideas. But if I guarantee you guys, if we can treat each other that way, then at the end of the Republican primary, the person who comes out on top will get the support of the Republican Party as a general rule. But the way that we're doing it right now, we will be so fractured by the time those 2024 races come around that I'll be surprised if we win anything. And that's all I've got to say about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's happening politically right now. You can reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, on September the 18th, if you're anywhere in this area, we are actually going to be kicking off uh, our new venture here at Firmly Planted Family, the 501c4 Firmly Planted Action. The tagline of this brand new organization is action with integrity. We need to bring integrity and statesmanship back to politics and we need to do it right now. And so if you guys are interested in, uh, in joining me in this endeavor, I would love to have you be part of it and you can come right out and uh, join us. Thomas Jefferson said, whenever you do a thing, act as if all the world was watching. And at Friendly Planet Action, we are desiring to bring statesmanship back to civics. You guys heard me read from Jeremiah 29 last week, and I'm going to close with it today. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. 
pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. And our desire is to work for the prosperity of our communities, our cities, our counties, our states, and our amazing nation, and to do so with integrity at the forefront of everything we do. We hope you guys will join us if you're in the area. Again, that meeting will take place here at Firmly Planted Family on September 18th. Join us as we bring statesmanship back to civics. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for praying for us. Don't forget to leave reviews for the show at iTunes and wherever uh, podcasts are available. And again, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me, idstjohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Have a great day, you guys. I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.